Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Why don't you turn with me? We're going to look over in the book of Luke chapter 2 uh, here in just a second. We're going to look through a few passages, but uh, we're going to continue our series on Jesus' crazy relatives. And uh, in the past couple of weeks, we've looked at a couple different crazy people. And uh, the first one was Enoch, you know, the guy who, who pleased the Lord. And uh, so then we also had the last one that Pastor Steve talked about, which was Rahab, the, the hero lady. And uh, these were some different family members in Jesus' life, but uh, this lady wasn't de defined by her past, and we've had the opportunity to have some rare family members ourselves, right? We all have some of those. We're calling them rare today. How about that? And uh, so maybe you are a rare, I don't know. No, I'm not going to say that. But, uh, one way or the other, um, oh, we have the opportunity to be able to serve God. And uh, we can serve him in such a way that we're not defined by our own uh, relation, our own past, but our relationship with him and our service to him. Today, we're going to look at another one of Jesus' relatives. And this person really is much closer to Jesus than the last two people that we've investigated. And, uh, and you may have not been like uh, Enoch, who was a God pleaser. You may not have been like Rahab, a woman with the past, but Maybe you're like this guy named James. James is another one of Jesus' crazy relatives. This, uh, this man would have been known to Jesus better than most people aside from Jesus' mom and dad. Now, uh, we could start off, by, start off by calling James a skeptic or a doubter. Uh, there are different names, uh, men named James throughout the New Testament. We know that, but this is a man called James, the brother of Jesus. And have you ever had a brother or sister tell you something that they're going to do? And, and, because, uh, and because you know them well, when they tell you they're going to do something, you just kind of laugh at them <laughs> or, or turn the other way. Maybe you ignore them and say, what's up with that guy? I don't understand them. And so your expectation isn't really all too high and so, uh, because you've known him for a long time, like the guy who wanted to become a lawyer and his brothers ribbed him because they said, you've never opened a book in all of your school years. And he goes and becomes a lawyer and shocks everybody in the family. They didn't expect that. But here you, you have Jesus, the supposed son of Joseph, the carpenter, uh, and likely James and the others possibly said, how, how can you be special? All you've ever done is make furniture. You're a carpenter. That's what you do. Uh, and you don't serve as a priest. So how can you do something special or unusual? How can you become a rabbi? Maybe James and the other, and the other brothers and family had bought into the idea that we see over in John chapter 1, verse 46. It says, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? You know, I don't know. How can anything great come from a podunk town? Uh, maybe we all ask that at times. And can, can good things come from there? James wasn't the only doubter, though, at first. Uh, we'll see that in a bit. But we do know this, though. James had a great spiritual background. Now, I do say James here. He had a great spiritual background. 
And let's look through this. From what we know about Mary and Joseph from Scripture, they were faithful to God, and this means that they followed the Old Testament requirements uh, for Jewish believers in that day. Now we find in the New Testament where they had went to the temple to dedicate Jesus uh, in the temple. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, these are the words that it says. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Now we know it's speaking of Jesus here, not James. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So really, this was, uh, this was really important for them to be considered righteous among the people of God in Israel, and that was not the only thing they did in serving the Lord. Now, Jesus' family was faithful, uh, you may say religious, and in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 43, it says this, kind of gives us an idea after this, what takes place after Jesus was dedicated, it says Every year, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while the parents, his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Now, that's a, that opened a whole other fiasco in the family there. But what we really need to focus on there is that every year, they went up. So they were faithful to God. They did that on a regular basis. And to go to the Passover or to be part of that is a very important thing in Judaism and when you serve the Lord because you're remembering what God has done for you. As he pulled them out of Egypt and he brought them out of slavery. So you have to be able to see that this is important. This does not only include Jesus in this part. I know the first one doesn't include James. But this also would include any siblings that were with him when he was 12. And I know for some people, I know for some people that this gets a little touchy in this area for them because of the possibility of Mary having kids after Jesus. But the Bible gives us the information that shows us that this is the case. Now, there may be other exterior writings that we don't consider canonical. You could take that and put that in your back pocket. But, but, but James, the brother of the Lord, likely went with Jesus and the rest of the family to Jerusalem for the Passover. It was not an optional holy day. Like I said, this is a major holy day, and they needed to be there to show themselves faithful, and Mary and Joseph didn't seem to miss it. They were there. So James, though, let's look at him and his relationship to Jesus. It's really made plain here in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Let's read that this morning on the screen. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they say this, they said, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? What's up with that? That's what they're saying. 
isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Now, not the other disciples. We're not talking about them. And aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Really, uh, there's uh, several things uh, that we're going to find out in this passage in Mark. And, and the first one is that some of Jesus' hometown neighbors were doubters. No question. Uh, and in, in fact, some, uh, some may have been a, a little jealous. They question where he got his abilities, his wisdom, uh, and even his miraculous ability. And it, and it seems like they felt slighted. If he had anything, it should have came from them. You know, the local hometown, the, fa the, the family, the friends, the extended neighbors, all that kind of stuff. And second, they threw out the question here, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the guy that fixed Bob's couch last week? Who is this guy? It's like there's no chance for this local furniture maker that he could do this kind of stuff. And, and finally, they brought it down to Jesus' family. They start naming names at this point. And he says, okay, this is Mary. Uh, this is the mom. And, and he has some brothers, James and Joseph, Judas and Simon. And in traditional fashion, they don't name the sisters because that's the way they did back then. But, they, but even they say, aren't his sisters here with, with, uh, with us? So we find James is noted first, which likely is showing him to be the oldest after Jesus. And uh, James is uh, one of Jesus' brothers. And you may say, well, that, that's all nice, but how in the world is that relevant to me today? Well, just hold on for uh, just a little bit. We're going to keep looking at this. James didn't even believe in Jesus as the Messiah in the beginning. He didn't even believe in Him. Uh, he, he was like many of the hometown folks that didn't accept that. They couldn't figure out how He could do anything coming from their town. And they, they lived there. They grew up there. And how could God use, uh, do something special through somebody that came from their town? Well, we know for sure that James didn't believe in Jesus in the beginning because of what's said over in John chapter 7. And it may have been that James and the others didn't want people bringing attention to them. I don't know. Uh, if you remember back from what we know about Mary and Joseph and their family, that they were faithful to God's word. They were faithful to God. And they were faithful to take part in Passover. And, and they even took Jesus who was the firstborn to be dedicated in the temple, which they were to do. And uh, yet, Jesus' family, including James, must have thought that he had become a little bit too edgy. Too edgy for us. Let's look at John chapter 7 uh, together, verse uh, 2 to 6. And this is what is written by the Apostle John. He said he was there. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your uh, disciples may see the works you do. No one wants uh, to become a public figure, acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. But even his own brothers did not believe him. Therefore, Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. You uh, for you, any time will do. See, if you, I didn't really read it well like that, but it's some sarcasm here. 
they're throwing some sarcasm at, at Jesus. It seems that this is the case, and they were challenging Jesus to show his works to the world if he was going to be somebody great. And that makes me wonder if James and the others heard Mary and Joseph. Maybe they talked about the encounter with the angel. Maybe they heard some of that. And I don't know. Maybe they were just tired of hearing about Jesus. Nobody wants to hear about the older brother, right? Especially when you're the youngest, right? Yeah, some of you get that one. This situation is quite interesting. It's kind of like this. Uh, Samuel Beckett, he was a writer. He was a novelist. And uh, he had received some great recognition for his work. But not everybody was down with his work. Not everybody was happy for him and liked his accomplishments. And so Beckett's marriage was soured by his wife's jealousy of his growing fame and success as a writer. And so one day in 1969, his wife, Suzanne, uh, had answered the telephone. She listened for a moment, and uh, then she uh, spoke quickly, and then she hung up. She turned to her husband with, trouble, with a troubled look on her face, and she whispered, what a catastrophe. She's upset. You'd think it was some kind of a devastating thing that took place in her life, and but it wasn't. She had just found out that Beckett had been awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. She's just a little upset about it. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus' brothers and family were actually jealous uh, about Jesus and the way he acted, but, but we have to wonder about it. And one thing we know is that in the beginning they didn't believe, so they seemed to not even hang around Jesus. Something happened, though, for James, the unbeliever. Something happened in his life. He was not a follower of Jesus at the crucifixion, from what we understand. And in John chapter 19, verse 26, we find Jesus, when he's on the cross, he asked John to care for his mom. Now, you know, rightfully so, it should be the second born at this point. He should be the one that's stepping in onto the scene and say, hey, yeah, I'll do that. But no, Jesus passes it off to, to John for some reason. And it may have been that Jesus just trusted John because he was one of his disciples and Mary had like faith. Uh, we don't know for sure, but, but after Jesus' death, something changed in James's life. This doubter had a change of heart and a change of mind. James became a follower of Jesus. From what we understand in the Scripture and elsewhere, Change doesn't always come easy for some people. For others, uh, the thought of change is really amazing. Now, years ago, there was a, a man from the back mountains or the hills of Tennessee. Now, I can say this because uh, my uh, family on my mom's side actually came from the hills of Tennessee back in the east there, back in the 1800s. So now I get to say it. So this guy, he comes from the hills. He comes to the big city, and he comes up to an elevator. And as he comes up to the elevator... He sees a, an older, haggard woman walking in the elevator. You know, he's never seen an elevator before. What do you do in those things? The door shuts on the lady, and then the next thing he knows, the elevator door opens again, and a beautiful lady walks out. <laughs> and so he calls his youngest son. He says, Bobby, get your mother over here. Anyway, some of you got that. <laughs> So now that guy, he misunderstood things just a little bit, right? Uh, he didn't understand that change doesn't happen in the elevator. But for James, 
something very real took place in his life. And even in Jesus' disciples, for them to believe after the crucifixion. He died on that cross. He was buried. And he was in that grave for days. So of all the persons named James in the New Testament, no one is as crucial to the growth of the early church as James, the Lord's brother. No one. Yet his name appears only eight times in the New Testament. Now, it doesn't mean we throw out Peter and Paul and those who understand have a significant part, but his name is first mentioned in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, where we read of Jesus' rejection in Nazareth. Nazareth. And what we find in that account is that James was the Lord's brother. And earlier in Mark chapter 3, the brothers of Jesus, along with his mother, were looking for him. And the Gospel of John says that the brothers of Jesus do not believe in him. We saw that. And, and meaning that James does not at first believe in his brother's messianic claim. So Paul implies that James' belief was a result of the resurrection appearance. So if you look with me over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it should be on the screen for you, verse 6, it says this, it says, after that, he, Jesus, appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, just a euphemism that they've died. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Now, we know this is the apostle Paul writing that. And uh, so it's important because both James and Paul did not believe at first. Neither one of them believed at first. They were both doubters. They were both skeptical of Jesus being the Savior, from being the Messiah. And from what the Apostle Paul says here, James came to faith even before he did. So it, it really would have been hard here to deceive James. He was the Lord's brother. It would have been a difficult. You know, with, uh, the, with Mary at the crucifixion, it's possible that James was there too. We really don't know. Uh, but one thing is for sure, uh, Jesus had been dead and now he has been raised and James saw him. I think that would make you view things differently. You could have even taken this further by looking at Jesus' own disciples. They too saw him crucified. They too saw him buried. And they too saw him risen. But James, the evidence must have come so strongly it turned him toward Christ in faith. In fact, James became a leader of the early church. Early writers call him, early Christian writers call him James the Just. And the Apostle Paul calls uh, Jesus' brother James a pillar in the church in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. James had become a leader. We're able to obtain a glimpse into his leadership and the connection to the apostles through a few passages of Scripture. In one context, we find Luke recording an incident over in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 17, where Peter refers to James in the context of the other believers. And it says, Peter motioned 
with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And then it says, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And he said, he said, and then left for another place. So by this time, the Jerusalem church begins to form its building and James begins functioning as a leader. And by the end of Luke's narrative, at the end of his story in Acts chapter 21, verse 18, James the Lord's brother occupies a very important position in the Jerusalem church. Some scholars would even say that James assumes leadership after Peter's departure in Acts chapter 12, verse 17. We're not sure, but uh, really there is no question that James was a leader to some level. Most, think, most people think of Simon, Peter, and Paul, but even James helped mediate between them and the ministries that they were doing and we find this when James is speaking to bring balance to the church between the Jewish and the Gentile groups in, in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 verse 13 says this. It should be on the screen for you. It says when they finish, when they're dealing with trying to allow Gentiles to come into the body of faith, it says they, when they finish, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to uh, choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. So now he goes and he quotes the Old Testament. James, the Jewish guy. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. And then he finishes his quote from Old Testament in verse 19. It says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write that to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. See, even though Peter had had that revelation before he went and saw Cornelius back in chapter 10 of Acts, they were still, they were still having a hard time here. And who ends up coming, stepping in between these guys, uh, Peter and Paul? But it's James. And he steps up to the bat and he helps them. So we find James, the brother of Jesus, giving his leadership then he says in Acts chapter 15, verse 22, these words, And then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. James would have likely been the deciding, a part of the deciding group as they prayed for God's direction on what to do. And remember that in the beginning I said that James had a great spiritual background. Now he has a current status as a follower of Jesus. He's a follower of Christ. And it's one thing to have a spiritual background. We can all say to some level, oh yeah, I grew up in church or was around church. We have a spiritual background. But now something changes in his life. It's a whole other thing to be able to say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. To have a spiritual background is one thing. To say I grew up in church, to say I was born near the church pew, something like that, it's, it, it, that's not what it's about. 
It's about saying, yes, I am following Jesus. James went from a doubter to a believer. And then he brought balance among the people of God. God transformed his life. This, this guy who, who was sarcastic to his own brother, half-brother. There's hope for those who move from being a doubter to a believer, a follower of Jesus. This brother of Jesus was not simply someone who believed and then went on his merry way. He did something for the Lord. In fact, we, we know from extra-biblical uh, writings that James gave his life for his faith in Jesus. This crazy relative of Jesus went from being a doubter actually to a martyr. Something happened in his life. How can anybody do that? How can anybody give their life like that without knowing something is taking place? Well, uh, Josephus, a, a Jewish historian, from the first century wrote uh, a record called Antiquities around 93 or 94 A.D. And so it was, it was his writing that we find, in his writing that we find Annas, the high priest in A.D. 62, a convenient, a convenient Sanhedrin, which was their court, the religious court, without the authority of King Agrippa II, and he sentenced James and some others to be stoned because of, of violations of the law. James was martyred for his faith. And other documents also show and mention that he was martyred. He was a man who turned to serve God with everything he had. And as we consider a man like that a crazy relative of Jesus, we need to be able to say, you know what, I am willing to serve Him with everything I have. With everything that we are. And as we wrap this up this morning, I think there's just a few questions that we need to ask and answer in our own hearts. First one is, is are you a skeptic? Or are there places in your heart where you doubt? If so, be honest with God. Be honest with Him. Reach out to Him and say, well, maybe like the person in the New Testament that said this, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's something else you need to be able to remember. James, the brother of Jesus, didn't always believe, but, he, but once he came to faith, God worked in his life. He did something in him, and God can use you no matter where you come from, no matter what your past was like, no matter if you started out as serving and then you ran away and decided to do your own thing and come back, no matter what your situation was. There is always an opportunity for you to be able to serve Him and God can turn your life towards Himself and work in you and transform you as you turn to Him and allow Him to work in you. God did it for James. God did it for a lot of people, what we see in the Scripture, and God's done it for a lot of people ever since then. You know, it's one thing to have on our, our repertoire a stamp that said, yep, I attended church. But it's a whole other thing to have a stamp on our heart that says, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray and we're going to worship the Lord with the final song. After that, we'll be dismissed and our prayer teams are going to come and 
Maybe you're an individual, you say, you know what, I need God to work in my life. Or maybe you need to rededicate yourself to Him. Or maybe you need to step into the path that He is calling you even now. Maybe you have the stamp in your repertoire that says, yeah, I attended church. But maybe that stamp's not yet on your heart. Make sure that that stamp is on your heart that says, I'm a follower of Jesus. No matter what comes my way, I'm a follower of Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you. We give you thanks, Lord, because you, Lord, are faithful. We thank you, Lord, that you not only saved millions and thousands before us, but, Father, you even saved James and even Paul and even Peter. They were like men like us. Even Thomas the doubter. Father God, here we are. And Father, we recognize the fact that we need you more than we need anything else in this world. Because without you, we have nothing. But if we are in you, if we're a follower of Jesus, according to your word, we realize that our inheritance is bigger than we could ever imagine. Because we understand that to be born of the Spirit of God means a transformation of heart. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us as we look to you this morning. That you, we give ourselves to you, Lord, from our hearts. We offer ourselves to you because we are just a human being in need of forgiveness and redemption. We offer ourselves to you this morning. We give all the 